live from Austin, Texas, where we need to get you this shit the right. Fuck! Live from Austin, Texas, where we need to get this shit right the first time around, because I can't edit this one. It's Retro Pals with Danny and Alex. Hello, Alex. <laughs> Hello to my wonderful husband, Danny. Oh, man. Okay, I'll cut out the first few seconds. Okay. This is this is going fantastically. Nothing goes wrong with us. Hi, everyone. We're doing something a little bit different tonight. This is our first Retro Pals live cast. We're recording a podcast live on the internet. It's really going to happen. Is a horrible idea, and we're doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And not only that, we're going to have a stream after this, and I'm going to set a new world record, and I'm going to get a pony. I've decided. Can I get a trip to Epcot? Yeah, sure. Fantastic! We are recording live from on top of the Epcot ball. Please help me. I feel like I'm going to fall off. The winds are really strong, and the sun is radiating on my brain. Sounds good. Yeah, Alex has taken his position up top the Epcot ball. The golf ball. The big old ball. It's technically Spaceship Earth, but no, it's the golf ball. Alright, so this is Twitch, so we need to show some video games here. So what y'all are going to see is a one-credit clear attempt I recorded the other day of the original Pilot Wings for Super Nintendo, followed by some gameplay footage from Pilot Wings 64. Uh, that should keep you occupied for the next hour or so. Mm -hmm, that's something to put your eyeballs on. Why don't you start that timer? I, feel, I want to feel like a speedrunner. We're recording this during SGDQ week. Uh, I made sure to do this now so nobody will listen to this. Not a single person. Not a single person. So while you enjoy your pilot wings, we are going to discuss ourselves, our favorite subject. Hooray! Uh, we already did that back in the first episode of our podcast. So if you want to know about us and what we do, uh, listen to that. This episode, we're going to discuss our video and stream projects, why we started them, where they are right now, and where they're headed in the future. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the future. Let's go back to the future. How does that work? Uh, well, first you get a car by a, by a disgraced car manufacturer, so you get a Tesla. And right. then you put your coffee grinder in your Tesla, and you install a Fallout time travel, and there you go. Boom. Oh, okay. We're in the future. I see you paid attention to the documentary, Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. It's a very good one. So let's Ken just, Burns' best. Yes, exactly. Let's just jump right on in. So what we're discussing tonight are the many videos we produce for YouTube, as well as our stream series here on Twitch. Uh, gonna give you some idea about why we do these things. Why do we play Sega CD games every week? Why are we so obsessed with the PlayStation? All these questions and more will be answered live. On stream. Isn't the answer to most of them that we like attention? Yeah, that's mostly it. Okay. That's the core reason behind everything. So let's get this started. Uh, video project number one to discuss, PlayStation Year One. So this is the thing that we started on almost immediately after I got laid off from Joystick. Uh, AOL decided that it didn't need actual writers, it just needed digital profits. <laughs> so all the writers were out of there, kicked out on the street. So Digital we... profits? Digital profits! Get it? Get it? Yeah, it didn't work out for them, did it? I wish we had individual mics so I could mute yours. Anyway, that happened. It sucked, but we made the most of it. I decided I wanted to do some kind of thing with Patreon, because I was through with corporations, <laughs> as you might understand. <laughs> it was a whole lot of baloney. 
Oh, boy. Someday I'll tell that story. Someday. But, yeah, suffice to say, we started up a Patreon. We started up a video retrospective focused on the original PlayStation. Now, we did this because me and Alex were big fans of Crontendo. We're mm-hmm. Crontendo heads. Big time. Uh, if you've never seen this, this is a series on YouTube as well as archive.org that covers the entire NES and Famicom library chronologically. So right there from the beginning. And this guy, Dr. Sparkle, the creator of the series, he's covered hundreds of games. He's currently up to 1990 after starting in 1983. God. Do you know how many games that is? Th- I assume thousands. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. <laughs> So we decided we want to do something similar. And, you know, being a digital prophet and all, I mm-hmm. wanted to look into the future. I wanted to see what the next trends were. And I observed that a few years prior, uh, Super Nintendo had gone through pretty much its zenith of collector popularity. It experienced a resurgence. Uh, it got super, super popular. And then it just kind of plateaued for a couple of years. So it was part of what uh, collectors considered to be the 20-year rule. Like 20 years after a console came out, uh, everyone who experienced it as a kid, they're going to have money now, and they want to collect stuff and get back into it, and they want to know more about the games. And I, using my uh, Galaxy brain that comes with all digital profits pre-installed, mm-hmm. I decided that the next great trend will be the PlayStation, because this thing had gotten no press whatsoever among the retro community, almost nothing. And yet, the 20 years was coming up. Uh, in fact, it had just passed when we started this series. All the PlayStation kids had grown up, they had their own money, and they're looking to dive into that PlayStation library. And yet, so few YouTubers out there covered it, you know? Mm-hmm. It was all about Nintendo. Some Sega, uh, occasional pockets of Neo Geo activity, but no Sony. <laughs> no Sony PlayStation, despite being an incredibly formative and important console. So that's what drove my decision to start this series. Uh, Alex, what do you have to say about PlayStation Year One? Well, uh, I uh, basically kind of same thing. I'm disabled, and uh, I have like have issues keeping the kind of job and stuff due to my disabilities. And Danny was like, "Hey, I want to do a new project, and you're a video editor because I would make really." I made Ratatouille AMVs, amongst other things that were good. Hey, we also made Tommy Tallarico AMVs. True, true. And Danny <laughs> was like, you know, let's do it. So I was, I wanted, I like video editing. I like making, do- I like documentaries. And so it was like, well, I want to earn, I want to earn my keep. Yeah. And I also really enjoy doing this. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's so how I got inspired involved. by Crontendo. And we had uh, reason to believe this thing would explode in popularity in the years ahead. And I just saw a niche that needed filling. Mm-hmm. And another core thing that determines all our projects is curiosity. I wanted to find out more about the subject myself. And I figured while I'm researching this, might as well present my findings in some kind of coherent way. And that's how we started PlayStation Year One. Starting from the very beginning with Ballerina Toshinden in an episode where I sound like I am dead. <laughs> oh my god, I went back and started... It is a little... Un- I-, I went back and watched it and I hate my editing. The I really, hate The it. really great thing about all Chrono Gaming series, including Crontendo, including Game Boy Works, including everything, is that the first episode sucks ass. <laughs> it is horrible. Uh, to the point where both Dr. Sparkle and Jeremy Parrish went back and redid their first episodes. <laughs> I suppose that's something I should get around to at some point. But Oh god. Uh, suffice to say, we... We covered the launch lineup. I managed to use my uh, pull in the game journalist industry to get it covered on a couple of websites. And we got the uh, launch lineup video. It had a massive 15,000 views thanks to its coverage. Mm -hmm. I launched a uh, a compilation of all the games we covered right on uh, September 9th, 
19 wait it was like 19 it was like 2016 or something Mm -hmm. yeah it was like the 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 21st or 22nd anniversary of the playstation's launch uh it was good timing put it out there it got some good promotion and we were real happy with the results Mm -hmm. so we decided to keep going with that and boy am i glad we did because our biggest video to date is part of playstation year one (laughs) yes yes Uh, it is this video is called playstation year one Mortal Kombat 3, How an Arcade Dud Changed Console Gaming, or something like that. Uh, oh. This video, it's it uh, it was about as popular as our other stuff at first. It got a few hundred views. Uh, after like a month, it crested a thousand, and we were thrilled. Ah, cool. Yeah, that's neat. So flash forward a few years, a new Mortal Kombat game comes out, and guess what YouTube starts promoting? Mortal <laughs> Kombat videos, including our own. That one gets out there. It yeah. starts being promoted on the front page uh, and recommended pages. If you ever looked up a Mortal Kombat video, this was probably recommended to you, and you watched it, and you got pissed off at you. whatever jackasses made this horrible video about the video game. I, these jackasses called this game a dud. They said this game was a dud, and no, <laughs> they said it was bad. They personally insulted... We personally insulted every single Mortal Kombat fan, according to those comments. <laughs> we definitely did. I have just... Yeah, their, their main source of contention was the fact that I did call it a dud, by which I meant, if you watch the video, God forbid, you mm-hmm. might see that what I meant is that, compared to the previous Mortal Kombats, it was a downgrade. Uh, they got rid of Sub-Zero and Scorpion and replaced him with a fucking traffic cop, for one thing. <laughs> It added some dialogue combos, it added some really silly animalities, and in general was kind of a step forward, but was really a step back in terms of the series where it was at that time. Uh, you can claim a lot of things, but I claim that it was the beginning of the end for Mortal Kombat, way before MK4. Uh, agree or disagree, many in fact disagreed. Many do. Uh, in fact, many people made the curious step of clicking on the video to say, guy calls MK3 a dud, I'm not going to watch this, nobody watched this, thumbs down. <laughs> There's a real <laughs> curious undercurrent yes. of people who click on videos because they disagree with the title, and then they say, no, this video's bad. Those are my favorite, honestly. But regardless of that, whether you agree or disagree that MK3 was a dud, I was very happy with how that episode t- turned out. It had mm-hmm. multiple parts. Uh, the editing was super great. It incorporated a uh, whole bunch of contemporary ads and stuff mm-hmm. to really bolster our point, too, because there was one ad promotional ad that was all like an unending wave of Mortal Kombat awareness. Yes, I love that. Like Danny, they, they straight up said that. Danny did a lot of really good work finding the source material for that one too. I just threw it together and I had a really good time doing something more professional, more like to shout out other YouTube documentary documentary people. I felt like it was more of like on Kim Justice. Like I don't feel like I'm at Kim Justice's level, but I feel like maybe that one edges to the bottom tier of her work sorry i love yeah. kim justice's work it's we're, so fucking good we're approaching we're every single episode we learn something new mm-hmm. and we carry that forward into new episodes and while it sucked in the beginning i think by now we can be considered okay we are okay and despite what people said that video does have majority upvotes and as of right now today it sits at four hundred and forty thousand views uh, this got promoted a couple more times over the, the our last year on YouTube, and it also boosted our subscriber count to the point where last week someone pointed out that we met the goal of 12,345 subscribers. One, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. The magic number. Pretty good. Not bad for a couple of dumbasses. <laughs> Honestly, it's pretty f- it's pretty good for a guy for for a guy who learned his chops on Windows Movie Maker. <laughs> Hey, you start out on Wendy's Windows Movie Maker. That's that's the real shit right there. I wish Wendy's had a movie maker. The Wendy's Movie Maker. <laughs> it's just all about these 
hot, hot beef. That's what they used to make that a training video. Yeah, it's it's a program where if you talk about hamburgers, it replaces the patties to be square. Anyway, our next most popular video was WrestleMania the arcade game, because that dovetailed right into MK3 and was recommended right afterwards. That has 52,000 views. Uh, me and Alex kind of uh, satirized the fact that we weren't really hardcore wrestling nerds and we had a fake wrestling show segment, a mm-hmm. fake wrestling podcast. And apparently a lot of people took that to uh, <laughs> as being a serious thing. Cause oh, boy. They, they took us to task on every single wrestler we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. They were all like, how can you do Bam Bam Bigelow like that? <laughs> they were like, Doink, you should respect Doink the Clown and the f- the 50 million people who played him. <laughs> Basically, anything you could say about a wrestler, it was analyzed, dissected, and used to as evidence that we didn't know what we were talking about and were horrible. Oh, and they hated what I had to say about Yokozuna. <laughs> They really He's did. He's not a jobber, okay? I never said he was a jobber. I joked that he was a jobber, and then people were all like, can't believe Alex said Yokozuna was a jobber. I think the funniest thing is that for every comment yelling about me, about Yokozuna, every single one, nearly every single one of them misgendered me, which, A, I'm, <laughs> listen, I get it, it happens. I wasn't as mad about that, but I was just like, you know if they thought I was a dude, they wouldn't be as mad that I said that Yokozuna was a jobber. That's true. That's sadly true. <laughs> But regardless, that video also got a good reception, and that's sitting at 52,000 views, and we're real happy with that. Uh, so far, our latest episode we put out several months ago, it's about Jumping Flash. We did that to uh, to coincide with the launch of the PlayStation Classic, which, you know what? When that thing was announced, I was like, okay, my premonition is correct. This is the PlayStation's coming back, baby. This is its big renaissance. It's going to happen. The thing launched, and it sucked ass so much. <laughs> That everyone stopped caring about the PlayStation 1 spontaneously. (laughs) Like, there was one month when people got all excited and were talking about what games were going to be on it. And then it launched, and wow, Sony, your dreams came true. There's this one guy at Sony who's all like, why would you go back to old PlayStation games? They look like crap. Well, he made a self-fulfilling prophecy with the PlayStation Classic. And guess what? No one gives a shit about PlayStation now. So, real happy about that. Thanks, guy. Thanks! Anyway, that was bad timing on Sony's part because we're about to get into some real great games with our next few episodes. Uh, next up we is a big hump. I'm not going to lie to you. Our next episode is a cover, a massive coverage of Theme Park and XCOM for PlayStation. I am excited for Theme Park. <laughs> Two obviously. simulation games. And as I, as I said in our A-Train episode, I know nothing about simulation games, so this will be fun. But... Once we power through that, we hit November of 1995, by which point we'll cover games like, are you ready for this? Tekken, Twisted Metal, Warhawk, Destruction Derby, Doom, Wipeout, and Zoop. Zoop? Are we finally doing Zoop? We're finally going to cover Zoop. Oh my god, I've been preparing animations for Zoop for like two years. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see we got some Zoop fans in the chat. Oh, Good. yeah. Oh, all the fucking Zoop fans. <laughs> yes. Yes. See, it would have been so convenient if the PlayStation Classic had turned out to be good, because then <laughs> I could be like, oh, well, that's good, because the next few episodes are all about games you've actually heard of, but now we're just kind of in a limbo. <sighs> but this is what we've been working towards the last couple years, and it does make sense to eventually cover those huge games, so I'm looking forward to that. We will do that very soon. Uh, soon after we want, launched PlayStation Year One, we launched a companion series called PlayStation Year Zero. This is focused on the Japanese games that came out in 1994 and also 1995, the first wave of PlayStation games. This is the series I was excited about, because I was really familiar with the launch lineup of the PlayStation in the U.S. In Japan, I didn't know shit. <laughs> like, 
What are these games? Has anyone played them? There's 1994 PlayStation games? Yeah, I actually really like editing those ones because I learn a lot. I, your King, I learned so much from that Kingsfield episode. Oh, yeah. So if I were to recommend some episodes from, uh, from PlayStation Year Zero, check out the launch lineup, which includes a game called Tama. Tama is like the passion project of a guy who programmed console ports of Marble Madness. So it's essentially a 3D Marble Madness, and that makes it pretty fascinating. There was also an early first-person shooter called Crime Crackers. Oh, I love Crime Crackers. Which is like Doom without the blood and with lots of anime. So mm -hmm. much anime. And furries. And furries. And we also covered Twinbee Tyson Puzzle Dama, which, as a side note, also covered Konami's lesser-known Puzzle Dama series. So a lot of good stuff that we covered in there that I didn't think got much coverage in the Western world. Just, again, looking for us to fill a niche and to fulfill our own curiosity. That's uh, that's really the defining thing behind all our projects. Next up for PlayStation Year Zero, our very next episode will be the original Motor Tune Grand Prix. Not the Motor Tune Grand Prix that came out over here. That's the sequel. The original first game from Polyphony Digital, the creators of Gran Turismo. Oh, wow. And soon after that, a couple episodes from now, is the one episode that I've been waiting for. This is like the game I was born to cover. Twin Goddesses. <laughs> We're going to cover that very soon. This is a 2D fighter that mixes live-action digitized fighters with anime characters. There's no barrier. It's just like digitized fighters versus anime. No That's... other game was brave enough to do that except so, Twin Goddesses. So it's like who framed Roger Rabbit? Who framed like, the anime, yeah. Yeah, who framed anime, yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, that's where our PlayStation series of videos is going so far. Uh, we also did, starting last year, our third and currently final Chrono Gaming series, N64 Chronicles. Uh, this is effectively N64 Year One, though that title has too many numbers in it. There's it like does. a six, a four, and a one. No, everyone's going to be confused. So we just called it N64 Chronicles. This series, I feel, is horrifically underrated because mm -hmm. the first video i bet a lot of people skipped because mario 64 everyone's talked about mario 64 what do you what do you got to say about mario 64 that's new well we went into the history of 3d platformers covering them from the beginning uh diving deep into the games that came before mario 64 there were a few 3d platformers that came out right before mario 64 and i think we did a good job of that yeah, actually, uh, in the Mario 64 one especially, there's uh, we talk about uh, platformers on the PC, uh, 3D platformers on PC, and funnily enough, one of the games that we edited, that I, the footage I edited in, I was like, oh, oh my god, it was a game that I'd played as a child, and I'd, I'd been like, what is this game, what is this game, and there it was, right in yeah, front of me. Yeah, it, it was that one Atari ST game, yeah, uh, yeah. I forget the title, but yeah, it was a very primitive, very basic 3D platformer, and it was fun to go back to the origins of the genre, like... Most people, when they think 3D platformers, they just think it started with Mario 64. Mm -hmm. And by all means, yes, it yeah, did. Because <laughs> the few games that came before had no sort of impact whatsoever compared to Mario 64. But by diving into that niche, I think we helped people to understand the N64 in general. Just like what a huge, huge sea change this was for gaming at the time. And then we talked about a shogi game. <laughs> Because episode two, we talked about the Japanese exclusive launch title, uh, Saikyo Habu Shogi for N64. I like that episode personally. Yeah, yeah. I thought I, I did a good job of introducing Shogi to Western players. That's just chess. Mm -hmm. It's chess where the rules are a little bit different. And it's the first N64 licensed game because uh, 
yeah, it's based on a professional shogi player. So we dove into that too. Yeah, shogi, not something anyone's going to be interested in, but we put our best into it anyway. Like, if you're going to watch this video, we're going to make it worth your while. Yeah, I actually tried some different, uh, this is this is just documentary and uh, chat here, but I tried some different editing techniques for the still images in that one, and I thought they turned out very nice. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Then, then there's that Habu. Man, he has so many photos in that he game. He does! It's like the Habu show. Cannot get enough, of, get enough of that Habu. Love that Habu. And, of course, soon, in fact, right now, we've started production on the next episode of N64 Chronicles featuring Pilot Wing 64. There's a lot to cover about that game. Uh, I've recorded all the voiceover. I just need to edit it together. Then Alex needs to do production. Mm-hmm. That'll probably come out by the end of July, I'm guessing. Sometime around then. It'll come out. Yeah, so with that, we'll have covered the N64's entire launch library in the U.S. and Japan. And what's coming up after that? Well, we have upcoming games, including Wave Race 64, Cruisin' USA, which is a game I rented back in the day. That's a hell of a thing. And Mortal Kombat Trilogy. So, you know, another oh, excuse God. for people to yell at us. Oh, I can't. Okay, <laughs> I am. I'm on. I didn't <laughs> Yeah, I just saw Mortal Kombat Trilogy was in the first, like, eight games that launched for N64, and I was like, I'm just doing this to myself at this point. To to really piss people off, you should have me on and say things like, I don't like that striker, so they can be like, this broad don't like striker. Motaro's a real jobber. Oh, you mad at Motaro. Oh, Big Al's crying. I did so good, I made him cry. Oh, thank you, Big Al. I'm sorry, I've just been kind of casually watching this uh, Pilot Wings long play. (laughs) I'd never fully beaten the game in one sitting before, and by this point I figured I was getting real far, so I might as well continue. Uh, That bonus stage is real tough. Anyway... I've talked for a while. Uh, Let me open it up to the chat about any questions you may have about PlayStation Year One, PlayStation Year Zero, and N64 Chronicles. So our Chrono Gaming series in particular. Do you have any questions about those? Uh, Alex, please bring up the chat. Uh, Let's see here. Yeah, now Pilot Wings gets serious. Big Al's taking off his sunglasses. I don't know. Maybe we explained everything. I think we did. Uh, I like that there's an option that says, no, you should go. <laughs> uh, Electric Boogaloo asks, uh, to, will Crash Bandicoot be the final episode of PlayStation Year One? Yes. In fact, uh, the PlayStation's release lineup just lines up perfectly for that to be the final game. Uh, we started on September 9th, 1995 in that chronology, and Crash came out on something like September 13th, so that's like almost perfectly a year after launch. I figure that'll be the ultimate wrap-up to the series, just a good stopping point. And of course that'll be after big games like Resident Evil, Wipeout, stuff like that. Uh, not a lot of questions about the show, but we do have uh, one from Feltem Reparatio here. Uh, which do you think would make a more entertaining Cron series, CDI or 3DO? Oh my god. Well, 3DO is more of an actual system. <laughs> it has more actual games, so there's more room to dive into development history with that. Meanwhile, CDI has a whole bunch of edutainment software, uh, all the history of which has been entirely swept under the rug. So digging that up would be very difficult. Okay, uh, any plans on a CDI or 3DO series? And what about the Jaguar? (laughs) Everyone wants the CDI and 3DO. 
the Jaguar uh, is one system I don't own. I do own a CDI and a 3DO. Jaguars are still very expensive. The systems alone are $250. The CD add-on is $750. So if anyone wants to be nice and send me a Jaguar and maybe the games we want to play like Bubsy, uh, that'd be cool. Otherwise, I'm, that's not something I'm going to buy on my own. Uh, meanwhile, CDI and 3DO, yeah, we're fans. And we're due for a CDI stream, I think. Okay, uh, last question here. Are there any games that overlap with PlayStation and Nintendo 64 Year One? Oh, let's see. Well, Mortal Kombat Trilogy came out on both. Uh, not a lot of overlap in the first year of N64, because those were mostly original games, right? It was like Wave Race, uh, Shadows of the Empire. So not a whole lot of overlap, but there are a few. I haven't studied the list that far ahead to name any in specific, but at least Mortal Kombat Trilogy. So, hey, two versions for people to yell at us over. <laughs> it's going to be great. Okay, uh, one last thing. Have we played Hard Rock Cab on PS1? I have not. I have not. That is Quarantine, isn't it? I think that <laughs> yes, was the Japanese name. Yeah, they mentioned that. Yeah, Quarantine was on 3DO. I played a little bit of that. That's a game where you're in a cab and you run over people while uh, <laughs> delivering your fares. Yeah, it was an interesting attempt at a, a 3D world back then, and I'd say that it directly it was a direct predecessor and inspiration for Twisted Metal. So, yeah, during the Twisted Metal episode, I'd probably bring that up. And last but not least, any plans for Saturn Year One? That's something that I think we've talked about before. Saturn Year One is our uh, top Patreon goal. If we reach something like $1,000 a month, I will do Saturn Year One. We will. That's, I think that's something everyone wants to see. Everyone loves the Sega Saturn. It's just, oh my god, there's so many games. And of course I'd want to start from Japan, so we'd have to start with... Uh, the real shit no one cares about, like Wan Chai Connection. Got any Wan Chai Connection fans out there? Woo! Early uh, FMV adventure game for Sega Saturn that no one's ever heard of? Yeah, cool. <laughs> oh man, this part in the Pilot Wings playthrough was so stressful. I'd never done a one credit clear up to this point, and landing the helicopter is a fucking nightmare. Just look at all this trouble I have with it. Oh, you're. Oh no! It's just the wind's blowing, people are shooting at me. <laughs> I'm like, how do I land this thing? I've only driven hang gliders. Oh, oh. I'm, I'm descending. Nope, nope. Better better back up. Nope. Okay. Keep put okay. it in place. The 1cc's on the line. Drop it down. I Great did it. landing. And that's my first ever one credit clear of pilot wings. I was very happy when that happened. That is perfect. So let's briefly touch on our other video series. Uh, you may recall, if you're a longtime watcher, a series called Video Game Vocal Tracks which was our attempt at a pop-up video-style informative series about the uh, vocal tracks of video gaming's past. Basically, games with uh, songs that have lyrics, because those are hilarious, mm -hmm. especially in the early days, like people attempting to make vocal songs about games where uh, people have bazookas and stuff. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> sing about that, because, mm -hmm. you know, this is CD-ROM systems, and this is a new frontier. You got digital video, you got people singing the theme songs. It's amazing. You gotta have them sing, baby. Anyway, that was a pilot series. We produced three episodes to determine whether people were interested, and the universal response was no, they were not interested. Nope. <laughs> this is just something me and Alex are interested in. We we have had people in uh, in our Discord and chat and like the series, which is cool, yeah. but overall the public reaction was not that great. It was, it was tepid. Some people really liked it, but they only got a few hundred views each, so we're going to put it on Mossballs for a while. Mm -hmm. Probably going to reconfigure it. I would like to do it again. Yeah. Um, if we ever did it again, I'd want it to do it like an actual full-on pop-up video parody. Like 22-minute episodes with multiple songs. 
multiple pop-ups, possibly like a lyric sidebar that mm-hmm. might be handy. I, uh, I actually would like to also do it again because my motion graphic work is improved and I can actually make things pop up now and look really nice instead oh, yeah. of the old one where it just like uh, faded. So if you see that again, our next episode will be a very long one about TurboGrafx CD soundtracks, mm-hmm. uh, in particular Final Zone 2, which somehow has multiple vocal tracks <laughs> that they translated directly from Japanese. So these are like image songs that are talking about a cool guy in a robot suit who has a bazooka, but they directly translated it into English, and it sounds like complete nonsense. Oh my god. Someday you'll hear that. Someday. Uh, In addition to that, we do one-off videos, uh, odd series like our Stepping Selection featurette, where we covered all the Stepping Selection songs. (laughs) A lot of people unsubscribed because of that, and I stood stood adamant. I was like, nope, this is too important for all of you to interfere with this. We have to put put these songs up on YouTube. Our numbers really did go down when we started posting Stepping Selection, (laughs) and I don't regret it. Every day I'd see subscribers lost, and I'd be like, no, this is important. It's important, damn it. (laughs) <laughs> and then I also have listed, uh, of course, our Tommy Tallarico AMVs. Mm-hmm. We need to do more fun stuff like that. God, I used to I'd do like, I did, a, I did a Paperboy movie parody featuring footage from Rad. That was fun. Yeah, and that was all Danny, by the way. I didn't do anything on that. I, I showed him how to use Premiere, and he just soared like an eagle. Yeah, so so you better hope that I don't ever get the urge to use Premiere ever again, because <laughs> y'all are going to be sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And the thing we mostly post to our YouTube channel is, of course, our stream highlights. Mm -hmm. Uh, For these, I like to focus on subjects that don't get much uh, play on YouTube. So stuff like uh, the PC Engine arcade card. That did pretty well for us. Mm -hmm. We covered, uh, we did our Virtual Boy coverage. Uh, We've we've, uh, just done stuff on unreleased games, betas, plug-and-play consoles, publisher catalog explorations. Again, anything we've done here on Twitch that I think... Uh, the YouTube audience wants to know about. Like, for many of these games, the only source is the angry video game nerd. And don't get me wrong, I like his work. I like, I watch his videos a lot. But there should be more than one video about some of these. Like, the Mattel Hyperscan, he did a brief five-minute Christmas video on it. That's it. That's all anyone wanted to see of the Hyperscan. <laughs> so we decided to put a little bit more of it out there just to give people a more... Uh, complete idea of what the system was about yeah and there need to be more deeper digs on youtube as well about weird stuff instead of kind of the real superficial like ah game bad mm-hmm. it's like come on there's always more to say there's yeah, always yeah. there's always deeper holes to dig and for us to dig our way out of that's that's the turn of phrase i was looking for always retro pals always digging our way out of something <laughs> all right so we've approached the halfway point of this stream uh want to take a virtual break Okay. Let's take a break. Okay, this is where I'm going to put the uh, the Sky Kid song. So it's going to be like... Welcome back. It's the Retro Pals podcast, and winter—we're entering—we're entering winter. 
It's so cold in here. Oh, brr. brr. June in Texas. Ah, you'll freeze your nuts off. Freeze your truck nuts off. Oh, wait, I can't edit this out anymore. I shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> Usually I can just say whatever during the recording. <laughs> we had, we had. Oh, boy. All right. Well, second half of the show, we're going to discuss our stream projects, the things we do right here on Twitch. So this is actually a little bit relevant to the people who are very patiently watching this. Thank you all for sticking this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, much appreciated. And I agree. Truck nuts. <laughs> I, just, I just look at chat for the first time in an hour and all I see is truck nuts and I mean I agree I'm glad you're having a good time discussing truck nuts mm, and we will be taking more of your questions <laughs> later just uh, just so you know we're not oh, purposely yeah. intentionally ignoring you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so let's uh let's let's start this off with a big one our Wednesday showcases uh, this used to be our only stream we did here on Twitch we'd get together once a week and we'd show off the weirdest games for the weirdest systems for a crowd of up to 10 or 15 people at the beginning. It was amazing. We literally did start out from nothing. I didn't I didn't pull any strings uh, behind the scenes with Twitch. I just started my own account, and we started from nothing. We started from like three or four viewers, then we got to 10 or 15. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more than that nowadays, and I'm very grateful for the, the growth we've seen and for everyone checking out the stream and apparently liking it. Yeah, thank you. So that's you. cool. But they all started out with just our idea to do a weekly Wednesday stream featuring strange and obscure consoles and strange and obscure games. Because really, that's what we're all about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We mentioned a few times before on stream that we used to run this yearly show called SGE. This was an apartment expo where people would come from around the country to visit my apartment here in Austin, Texas. And a lot of them would bring old CRTs. So there'd be like, 12 to 15 CRTs set up around this tiny apartment, each with a different obscure, weird system set up. So you could just play all the weirdest games you'd never got a chance to. This was before like uh, widespread piracy of mm-hmm. CD and DVD games. Uh, this was before like a lot of systems were emulated. So I guess that was the appeal to people who showed up, just being able to experience these games in their original form. Mm-hmm. And in a way, our Wednesday stream is kind of a continuation of that, except now I'm sharing it with the world instead of just like 20 weirdos crammed into my apartment. I was going to say, and we don't have to buy food for anyone. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's Feed a mi- yourself. It is a goddamn miracle during the entirety of SGE that no one got food poisoning. Like, <laughs> we didn't have any major medical emergencies. No one died. Like, I have a clean record. <laughs> you make no- it sound. Y'all can look back. I have no murders on file. None whatsoever. This is a clean save file. We had a bunch of internet strangers. You had a bunch of internet strangers at your place multiple years in a row. For and no one got murdered. Not, not a single, single one. Not a single murder. I am mm. so impressed. I am so proud of my spotless murder record. Congratulations. Don't you go ruining that. Don't anyone, like, goad me into murdering them. I would if, be very upset with you. If anyone in chat murders someone, we're going to ban you. Don't Don't you worry. Anyway, this weekly stream uh, dovetailed into our recently launched Patreon campaign, which at the time only focused on PlayStation Year One, but this gave a bonus to our $5 patrons because they could vote for what we played during our Wednesday streams, and that is something that's been... That we've done that since the beginning for the last two or three years. Like we have consistently delivered a poll like every week or well, we've skipped a couple weeks, but most of the time you, the patrons do get direct input on what we play. And in many cases, that's not expected. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I can see a clear winner and I set up for it and I practice the games and then, oh, it turns out people voted for the Ouya instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's just kind of a thing you have to deal with. It's it's all about rolling with the punches and doing what you can in a live setting. 
Uh, recently, we surpassed our 50th platform streamed. Jesus. Uh, you may not believe it, seeing the ramshackle presentation of this stream, but we have covered a lot of stuff over the last couple years. We've covered systems, including everyone's beloved Philips CDI and 3DO, the, uh, the Nuon, the Hyperscan... Uh, the Urban Outfitters Motion Gaming Console, for Christ's sake. Who I else am... is going to stream that other than Vine Sauce? <laughs> I am... I That is... God, that one's surprising. That, that one one's unbelievable. So... I really mm -hmm. like the 9-bit games. The extra bit really made the difference. <laughs> and yeah, our 50th console was indeed the Ouya about a week before it shut down. Uh, glad to get in one last stream of that thing. Uh, it was a now or never situation, and it turns out it was now and not never. So congrats, Ouya. You won a poll. For once. Um, what do I have on my lineup here? All right. In addition to covering consoles, lately, PC games have started to infiltrate our peaceful stream. Uh, Danny seemed uh, that that may be on my, on me because I'm the uh, PC CD-ROM guy here. Yeah, usually we focus on consoles because that's all I'm interested in. Uh, for reference, I didn't get my first computer until 1999. Really? It was a 486SX 66 megahertz with uh, probably like two kilobytes of RAM or something. So at the time, I was like, whoa, holy shit, Nesticle. This is amazing. This is a revelation. <laughs> And so even when I did get a PC, I didn't play PC games, suffice to say. So this is this is something entirely out of my realm of expertise, which is why I leave Alex to uh, to do these things. And yeah. what do you have to say for yourself, Alex? Well, I have to say that shout out to archive.org and all the preservation work they've done in making sure I have a ton of weird shit to show on stream. And uh, I guess Danny is, I, I know Internet Archive was down because our fiber got cut. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was Danny. Mm -hmm. Just uh, taking a big old axe and going, whoop. Well, so it would be down for a day or two. To my credit, the last time we played PC games, the theme was Rob Schneider FMV games. So we played A Fork in the Tail and Pinocchio's Adventure, The Adventures of Pinocchio. <laughs> These games, look at that archive, and you can clearly understand why I have such a uh, hate on for PC games. <laughs> Those games represent all that is wrong with PCs and gaming in general. Oh yeah, the, I almost forgot about the nude puppet loop. The old nude puppet loop. Yeah, that is an actual thing. <laughs> After we sent Rob Schneider into the horse loop and the shark loop, uh, we weren't out of loops when it comes to Pinocchio because Alex got us in the nude puppet loop. Uh. <laughs> that is the most embarrassing, shameful thing we've ever streamed. And... As much as I try to get PC games as far as possible away from our stream, uh, every so often the PC lobby, you know, those PC police, mm. they demand that we play some PC games. So Yeah, I'm the PC police in the relationship. I'm always telling Danny to either play the PC <laughs> and to stop uh, denigrating the PC. I will never. <laughs> but in the weeks ahead, in the interest of diversifying our content, we'll do more possibly DOS games. Uh, we've been set up with a good compilation of DOS games, so I think there's a, a nice, healthy selection of those. I'd also like a look, to look into European PCs, uh, specifically the ZX Spectrum, Ooh. the Amstrad, just generally stuff that is entirely in my blind spot of having knowing nothing about it. Because even though I hate computer games with all my heart and being, he does. It's, it's still an area that I'm not familiar with and I'm glad to learn more about so I can figure out more reasons to hate it. That sounds like you have good intentions, Danny. Definitely, definitely. Uh, 
As for our future plans on streams, well, friend of the show, Feltemp Reparatio, recently gifted us a massive Intellivision uh, library, which was amazing. Thank you so much for that. This includes an original Intellivision console and something like 40 games, yeah. <laughs> all with their original overlays. So not only are we going to play those, we're going to experience them in their original context with those weird keyboard controllers and everything. Oh and I think that'll be great. I think I think that'll be much better than just going through like a compilation where they simulate the keypad. This mm -hmm. is going to be the real full on full ass in television experience. Complete with wood grain. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting choked up. Oh, it's okay. Uh, other things in the future, I'd like to focus more on Japanese 32-bit games because uh, I feel that's a niche that has gone unexplored. We've had good success with that in the past. Stuff like Segare EGD and Gabal Screen for PS1. Those have played real well. There's a lot of classics on Saturn that have gone mostly undocumented here in the West. So we're going to dive in and see if there's anything worth playing over there. Occasionally, we, we do stuff like that. And we haven't always found uh, gems in the rough. I'm looking at you, Universal Nuts for Sega Saturn. <laughs> Danny the Nuts Hater. There was nothing universal about those nuts. And as for my dreams of the future, if I win the lottery or become a viral streamer, <laughs> please feel free to make me viral. Please make us viral. If I have an irresponsible amount of money, we will see Atari Jaguar games, PCFX games, Bandai Pippin games, and Playdia games. Actually, it's the Bandai Playdia, the Apple Pippin. So, yeah, once, once that happens, once I win the lottery or whatever, you're going to see the weirdest shit ever. Oh, my God. I'm going to do, like, uh, the microvision. I'm going to go back and get those 70s Pong consoles. <laughs> going to buy a new house. <laughs> you're going to buy a Jaguar, and you're going to buy a Jaguar CD, and you're going to buy one of those dental kits that were made off the base of a Jaguar. Mm, mm. It's just going to be, you're going to have, like, 20 of those in the house. No reason. They just look cool. I should have a custom Jaguar that's just the dental equipment, except they put Jaguar guts in it, so now it's just a Jaguar again. <laughs> we should do that. I could sell that for, like, a million dollars to some dimwit Atari collector, I'm sure. <laughs> or the Coleco Chameleon people. I'm sure they'd buy it. Listen, in multitask, you can brush your teeth and uh, you can get dental x-rays and uh, play some of the greatest games uh, known to mankind, like Fractured Furry Tales. Mm -hmm. And Trevor McFur in the Crescent Galaxy. Ooh, that okay. is a furry game. That, that is game the furriest is so furry. game I've ever seen. Uh, why don't we turn it over to the chat again while I okay. make the worst landing possible in Pilot Wing 64. Uh, what do y'all want to see in future Wednesday showcase streams? I don't, I don't put out the call often enough. Often I just... Uh, Put up polls, and whatever wins, I play it. All right. Uh, we have a suggestion for one of those 201 handhelds or just multiple games played with Tetris blocks. Yes. Uh, folks want Japanese PC games, uh, Commodore Amiga games. Uh, oh, yeah, we got to do more Amiga. We have covered the Amiga in the past. That's totally something I want to return to because there's so much good stuff on that system. Is I don't think there's a way to play... Do I don't think there's any... Dueling Fireman... Is there Dueling Fireman code out there? Dueling Fireman code does not exist. Only okay. the video footage. I don't think any any work was actually started on the game itself, which is a damn shame. Okay, recommendation for MSX. I'd actually like to do that because I know nothing of the system. Yeah, uh, we haven't covered the MSX. That's really unlikely, considering just how many good games are on the thing. Yeah, someday soon we'll have to. Uh, let's see. Blab wants to see the new one again. I think that may be a possibility, right? I agree. Yeah, it had been way too long. We did that back in our Adventure Pals days. Uh, 
there's currently one thing stopping that. I want an actual controller this time. Uh, last time we used the the remote, and playing <laughs> playing video games with uh, an infrared remote is not a great time for anyone because you don't progress in the games at all. You do terribly. Everyone's talking about how shitty you're doing. The the thing is, a lot of scalpers bought up Nuon controllers years ago, so they are all two hundred dollars now. I would have to pay more for a controller than I did for the Nuon itself. But I do have most of the games still. Uh, it's waiting. I still got it here. I even have component cables for it now. So once it returns, it'll be in good quality. Just uh, anyone out there want to spot me a controller? I'd, I'd take real good care of it. I would ship it back to you in perfect condition, I promise. He will keep it on a little pillow, a silk pillow, every mm-hmm. night. I'll make a little bed for it. That's a promise. Okay, uh, let's see. Folks wanting uh, OS2 Warp games and Linux games. Linux uh, games. T, T199 slash 4A. Yeah, uh, let's do a Trash 80 stream. Hell. Let's see. Um, I mean, our goal is to, to stream every platform eventually, so I'm sure that'll happen. I saw Neo Geo in there. Neo uh, Geo I definitely want to do. Uh, we've played a couple of Neo Geo games in the past, but for... We really want to do a, a Neo Geo specific stream. I think we're overdue. Well, uh, also, Electric Boogaloo hopes our Neo Geo CD gets fixed soon. Mm, that's probably not happening. Uh, I kind of sold it for parts. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. It was more of a pain in the ass than it was worth, honestly. The load times were just awful. Uh, it had problems with our Frame Meister. Really solid, well built system by which I mean it was like a huge engine block of a video game system. This thing doesn't fit in any boxes, it doesn't fit on any shelves, it's just massive. It needed to go. Okay, um, Ides of Merch is recommending we play Wind Blows 98. I actually did stream that on uh, Rescue Cat a while, uh, like last year, so that is doable. It's doable, it's just a trash game. And K Price asks for cat games, games all about cats. Oh, we have covered, um, Jingle Cats for PS1. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Cats 2, the Zelda-like action-adventure game for PS2 and Wii. I could think of a few more Cats games, I bet. Let's see, people are asking for Kitty on Your Lap. Oh yeah, Kitty on Your Lap. Uh, that has a great name. It's just a generic Japanese adventure game, though. Sorry to say. Damn. I did actually download that game because of the, the name. <laughs> and then I was horribly disappointed. Uh, yeah, so, so there you go. That's yeah. what we're doing in the future. Man, we got to return to Neo Geo. I guess I guess I was so broken up about the death of our Neo Geo CD, I didn't want to think about Neo Geo ever again. But I think the healing can begin soon. Very soon. I don't know about doing the DS, but maybe in a few years it'll be retro. Oh, 428's awesome. Uh, one of the characters in the game, you're just a mascot in a mascot suit, and the zipper breaks, and the character just kind of accepts her fate and becomes the mascot for the rest of the game, apparently. Mood. Good shit. Oh, now you just now you just make me want to play that again. Also, multiple people in chat asking if Zero Wings is a cat's game. Technically. You're technically right. How are you, gentlemen? Uh last question and then we should move on. Uh what from Video Game King asks, what is our cutoff for what does and doesn't count as retro and what's your reasoning behind it? Is it like the Retronauts ten year rule? Uh we tend to play fast and loose with that. I don't mm-hmm. have a hard rule. Uh, you'll recall we played Wii games many times on stream before. Stuff as recent as Escape from Bug Island, which is from 2006. Just anything we feel like playing, really, because it's all going to be retro someday, right? Might as yeah. well get a jump on it now. 
Anyway, look forward to our next stream featuring Days Gone, the zombie game where you fight Freakers and Freddy Freaker. I was going to say Freddy Freaker, that freak. <laughs> that little freak. I don't know. What's new? What came out this week? Uh, Mario Maker 2? No one's going to play that. Uh, Bloodstained? Yeah, I'm pretty sure people have streamed that already. Yeah, and last last uh, suggestion, more handheld games. That's actually something I'd love to do. I like showing off handheld games. Yeah, we generally don't do much of that. Uh, we've never streamed the Neo Geo Pocket or Neo Geo Pocket Color, for one thing. That's lost like three polls in a row. It's the three-time loser. It lost to the Virtual Boy. It lost to... What did it lose to last time? God. I forgot. Something stupid. It always, yeah, it always... <laughs> It's always people wanting to see the shittier thing instead of the good thing. And you know what? I can I can understand I that. It. You don't see this shit anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And we got to cover it when we can. But Neo Geo Pocket Color, yes, that is coming in the future to answer my own question. All right, moving on. Another project that we started after our uh, Wednesday showcase streams. It's a little thing called Mascot Friday. Uh, now, this is a weekly stream where we let it all hang out. This is the, the stream Twitch doesn't want you to see. <laughs> it is a real wild and nasty, rough and rowdy. Ah, it's, it's good. It's, it's good. It's just a it's... bunch of people making jokes. Occasionally, mm -hmm. occasionally a little lewd, but nothing too horrible. It's really fun. It's it, how uh... we ring in the weekend every mm -hmm. week. Uh, it's, yeah, this is the last stream of the week, so you get to enjoy your Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, yeah, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Anyway, the series started off as an April Fool's joke. Uh, one year, we did a stream called Direct to DV Dog, which was our very first podcast, technically. Mm -hmm. In that episode, we played Beethoven Second for Super Nintendo, and we discussed the merits of the Beethoven film series, because yes, me and Alex have seen every Beethoven film to date. Every damn one, including the one where he's voiced by Tom Arnold. Including the remake, the the rebreak, the, the remaster, all the different Beethoven movies. We'd seen them. And we have we have opinions on Benji, too. Don't even oh, get me God. started on that motherfucker. But, yeah, one of these days we'll go back to direct to DV Dog. Because we have a lot of knowledge about dog films. Why? Anyway, during that stream, uh, we played Beethoven second, discussed it, and then after an hour we got tired of it. And for whatever reason, we played Bubsy games after that. We played Bubsy 1 and 2. Didn't we also play Family Dog? Oh, that's right. We played Family Dog. Yeah, we played we played Bubsy and Family Dog, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And I think the final rankings... By the end, we, felt, we somehow felt the need to rank these games. So it was something like... Um, it, was, it was Bubsy at the top, and then Beethoven second, and then Family Dog at the bottom. Yeah, that and, works. And we ended it by saying, that's your definitive listing of all dog games. Please, please leave. <laughs> but you didn't leave. You wanted more. And for some reason, we did it again next week, and we played more platformers, and we added more to the list. And then that kind of kept happening for weeks and weeks and weeks on end until we've reached the point where we have now played and ranked 252 mascot platformers as part of Mascot Friday. Eventually, this will be a definitive list that will determine the best and worst of the genre. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole lot of them, man. There's, there's so just many. so, so damn many mascot games. Uh, we also started a 3D mascot platformer list. That was recent. It currently only has 42 games, but growing every time we stream more of them. Eventually, it'll be as big and as strong as the 2D list. That's my hope. I'd also like to discuss, finally, 
our considerations for Mascot Friday, because this is an argument that pops up seemingly every week. Every goddamn week. What is a mascot platformer? Uh, specifically, what makes a mascot platformer so that it applies to our list? Now, initially, we just had mascot platformers. We just had games starring an obvious mascot or cartoon character. Going for the basics, going for the bubsies, the family dogs, the, mm-hmm. uh, the sparksters, you know. Those cute Saturday morning types. Gotta love them. After playing so many games, we decided, you know what? It doesn't really make sense to limit the genres that we we cover here. If it's a platformer, we're going to cover it. So we decided to expand our coverage to stuff like running guns, as well as character action games. Stuff like Ninja Gaiden for NES. That would now qualify for the list. Mm -hmm. So in general, the only rule for Mascot Friday is the game has to have platforming of some sort as a major gameplay component. That is our only qualification. It can be a run and gun, it can be a character action game, it can be a Metroidvania. As long as it has platforming in it, it's considered for our list. That's that's the basics of it. Yeah, that's basically it. What do you think about our qualifications? Well, I I, I can't say I, I agree with it. I I think that oh no, video's still going. Um, I th- I I mean. They're platforms. I mean, I don't know how else to rank a platformer other than the fact that they're you, you jump on platforms in mm-hmm. them. Yeah, originally we decided, we tried to, to fight it to be like, oh no, this game qualifies or doesn't qualify because so and so and so. But mm-hmm. it, after a while, it just felt like making excuses. It, it just made more sense to be more inclusive of all the different games and types of games out there. And they're all platformers anyway. We're not mm-hmm. comparing apples to oranges. These are all games with platforming as a major gameplay element. Uh, there's only one game that we've had to strike from the list, which we determined did not have enough platforming in it. That was Metal Arms Glitch in the System, which was way more of a third-person shooter. Yeah. It was something like 95% shooter and 5% platformer. And in that case, I didn't feel like it really stood on the same level as the other games we ranked. So we struck it from the list. Get out of here. So here's where I open up the questions to everyone. This is where you get to ask all your burning questions about Mascot Friday. You get to ask whether we consider a certain game a platformer, a certain type of game, what's part of the list, what isn't part of it. I want to clear the air about literally everything about Mascot Friday so we never have to bring this up again. Two questions from chat. Is Nier Automata a platformer? Is Nier a platformer? (laughs) Is Gravity Rush eligible but mostly about Nier? Danny, is Nier a 3D platformer? See, these are the questions we have to grapple with every week because... If you if you were forced to assign a genre to near, you would just say action, 3D action. Mm-hmm. But platforming does play a role in those games, and that makes it difficult. Uh, from what I remember of the original near, I think it was way more of an action game with very little platforming. Automata, I think, had more of it. I'm pretty sure it did. I'm pretty sure that would qualify as a platformer. But oh man, these these are questions we'll have to answer as we. Uh, rank newer games usually we stick to old stuff and when old stuff had platforming elements it was generally just a platformer keeping okay. things nice this and simple question, this question is at okay a few a few easy questions here maybe um let's see uh when are we going to do pc mascots or pc platformers okay that ties directly into my future plans uh part of this outline that none of you can see so mm-hmm. so good job reading my mind Future plans for Mascot Friday. We are going to launch a new list of platformers exclusively for PC games. I'm doing this because I looked up the list of platformers for the Amiga. There's something like 1,600. Help. That that easily dwarfs just the total number of platformers on every console. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's also different kinds of platformers. Like on PCs, uh, the single screen platformer is a uh, is a is a big deal. But in the terms of our other list, that wouldn't qualify because our terms of a platformer is you have to be platforming to go somewhere, which excludes single screen platformers like Bubble Bobble. Like it's just you're in arena. You're not actually platforming to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot what I was saying. What were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about platformers. Um, yeah. Is uh, So because of that, would you count Link's Awakening or Final Fantasy Mystic Quest as platformers? I don't think so, no. Because no. Mystic Quest, the, the platforming is automated. You can either jump forward or not. Link's Awakening, there's very few little side-scrolling segments. I don't think you can call it a platformer. And what about Zelda 2? Zelda 2 is totally a platformer. You do so much platforming in that game, dude. Like, all you do is platform. And you duck in midair and hit iron knuckles in the face. Uh, what about Tony Hawk? I don't think Tony Hawk should count because you're never going from point A to point B in that game. You're just kind of... That is true. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Bubble Bobble. It's mm-hmm. just the arenas are a lot bigger and you're doing six skateboarding tricks. Yeah, I consider that to be way more of an extreme sports game than a platformer. But just from these questions, you can see just how difficult it is to classify and nail down what is a platformer. <laughs> this, this is way more difficult than you'd ever expect. Let's see. Uh, have you ever considered revising the Bubsy standard, given where Bubsy ranks as list grows? No. No. I don't, I'm, I'm not. Well, thanks for answering the question. But yes, I agree with you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Alex makes the decisions here. No, no. I'm really happy with where Bubsy is. Uh, There are a lot of games that are better than Bubsy, but there's also a lot of games that are worse than Bubsy. Uh, Just because the kinds of games we cover and the games people vote for, that's caused the list to become a little bit lopsided. I'd say Bubsy is the perfect, it is the platonic ideal of a 5 out of 10 game. It's okay to play, you won't have a horrible time, but there are way better games, and I think putting it as the standard really works. Uh, have you ever discount, discounted a game that's clearly a platformer but has no mascot? No, I don't think we've done that. Yeah, in the beginning we might have done that, but after we relaxed our standards, I don't think that'll be a problem. Oh, uh, we got a good point from chat. Why would Jet Set Radio count if Tony Hawk doesn't? Please don't make me think. Oh my god, do you see what I have to put up with? This is our this is, <laughs> These are the questions that keep me up at night. Well, Jet Set Radio... Hmm... I was going to say there were levels where you go places, but no, you generally just wander around and tag, huh? Mm-hmm. I think you found a flaw with our masterful list, just like my Freaking. flawed... Look at my flying right there, landing sideways on the runway. I was mm-hmm. drunk. <laughs> anyway, I was drunk Close when I decided enough. to come up with Mascot Friday. That explains that. Would infa- And uh, I think this will be our last <laughs> question for now. Uh, would Infamous count as a 3D platformer? Yeah. You do a lot of jumping in that game. You jump from buildings... Uh, I'd say Crackdown counts as a platformer. Hell, it, jumping is just such a big part of those games that I think it sets those apart from other open-world games. But just those few questions we got proves just how difficult it is to nail down what a platformer is and whether it counts for our list. Yeah. This will be a continuing discussion. It will evolve in the weeks and months ahead. And thanks, y'all, for like just having nice discussions about this. Yeah, It's actually. a fun little brain exercise. It's not like... It's not like typical gaming bullshit. This is like mm-hmm. you have to consider the mechanics, the history, the context, stuff like that. It's what makes these streams so interesting, I think. We can examine different layers of what games are and aren't. Well, by looking at chat, it looks... Uh, chat is currently rioting over including Tony Hawk, so we should probably consider it. Okay, we'll um, consider the Tony Hawk a lobby. Uh, feel free to lobby us with all your Tony Hawk dollars. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like real dollars, not Tony Hawk dollars from Tony Hawk land. Please don't give us the bird bucks. The, the value of that currency has really crashed in the last few years. Oh, yeah. what, what kind of landing is this? What was I doing? Drive my car into the ocean. Drive my plane into the ocean. <laughs> and so far, our final ongoing series that we do here on streams is called Sega CD Monday. Now, Sega CD is near and dear to both me and Alex. Mm -hmm. We both had it when we were kids. We were one of the few people who experienced the Sega CD when it was contemporary, when it actually had a place in American culture, if you can believe it. (laughs) Uh, What we needed at the time is we were aiming for a Twitch partnership, and they wanted three streams minimum a week, along with a certain hour requirement. So we thought to ourselves, what's a continuing series that uh, sparks our curiosity uh, allows us to explore something else that we haven't really explored before and would be interesting in a stream context. Somehow, Alex and I both settled on the Sega CD. It works. And for it Sega works. CD Monday, what we've done, it is a weekly chronological playthrough of the Sega CD's library. Uh, it's just like PlayStation Year One, only it's during a stream, and we actually play and complete a good portion of the games. So you get to see most of what these games have to offer in addition to our stupid commentary. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty. I actually really like uh, Sega CD Mondays. It's a, it's 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 not as rude as Friday, but it's a little bit more relaxed, like Friday yeah. is. Oh, also, we wanted to do something for our friends in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is our only afternoon stream. Yeah. Afternoon in the US, that is. Yeah, we're trying to. We want to reach folks who maybe uh, when we're streaming, it's like two a.m., five a.m. where they are, and we'd rather you know. We yeah, usually we stream in the evenings, uh, Central Time here in the U.S., which is something like four or five a.m. in the U.K. Mm-hmm. And I always feel bad when people watch and they're all like, "Oh, I wish I'd seen this live." I, except uh, there's no way I'd be able to do that and not miss work. And it's like, no, don't miss work for us, please. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that summarizes it. We wanted something for the UK audience. We wanted to explore something that we were both genuinely curious about. And in general, the Sega CD was a system that is very little explored. Uh, Even though Alex and I are fascinated with it, we haven't played every single game. We don't Mm -hmm. know everything about it. And almost every week brings a new surprise. Like, wow, this was on Sega CD? Wow, they they did this? You could do this with the Sega CD? Or or the flip side of that, wow, they did this with the Sega CD? (laughs) I'm thinking of racing aces in particular with that last one. I think of any time I see the Sony ImageSoft logo all messed <laughs> up. Every fucking time. That's the thing I like most about Sega CD Monday, because it has the most running jokes. Like, the, the, the obvious one is the Sega CD that I have is very obviously broken. Uh, we put up a video on YouTube called A Year of Sega CD Glitches and Corruptions, and that's exactly what it is. The Sega CD will occasionally refuse to work. It'll delete my save data in the middle of a game, is, as, as what happened in Popful Mail. That was so good. I'm It'll sorry. have screens full of just nightmarish corruption that makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's a haunted thing, and I like showing it off while it's still operational somehow. <laughs> I know we've been asked in our Discord that maybe we should change the capacitors and stuff. And yeah, but also... We could do that, but then we'd lose all the cool glitches. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's a real conundrum. Anyway, we did that, and as a result, we now have a much better picture of what Sega was like in its heyday, in the actual time when people played Sega consoles. And uh, I think that's useful for our uh, discussions going forward. Also, this stream has officially gone overtime because we ran out of video. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we better get to wrapping this up. Mm-hmm. Sega CD Monday, as it stands, we've currently covered around 50% of the U.S. library, and we've covered 90% of the Japanese library. We're ready to go. We're The next stream of Japanese Mega CD games will be the final six, after which we'll have streamed every single Japanese-exclusive Mega CD game. In summary... Nothing but RPG and adventure game ports, like, all day. <laughs> That's all it is. Basically, yeah. There are no, almost no Japanese exclusives that didn't come to the U.S. that weren't adventure games or just games filled with Japanese text. There's stuff like Ninja Warriors and Night Striker, uh, Cyborg 009, a few other action games that we missed out on that I think are actually worthwhile, but you can count the total number of those on both hands. Mm-hmm. You don't. You probably don't need to go through the whole library. But that's what we did. And the crazy thing about this is that we do it on real hardware with real discs. All the games we, we cover, I burn those every week. He I, does. I have several binders full of Sega CD games and Mega CD games. All legit. All, well, not legit, but they are physical. An actual motor is operating during this stream. It's not mm-hmm. an emulator. And you can clearly see the results of that when the games horrifically crash. When they just go like... Horrifically crash. I get so <laughs> upset by it. Okay, I don't think we have enough time to a- answer questions for Sega CD Money, but there is one question that you've been asked over and over and over and over... That we've been asked on Twitch, on Discord, on uh, Twitter. Danny, what do you think of the Sega CD flash cart? That thing. Yes, they announced that. Uh, I forget the name of it, but yeah, there is an FPGA board that plugs into the Genesis and fully simulates a Sega CD. So you can play Sega CD ISOs off of it, no problem, with no Sega CD, just off stock Genesis hardware. Uh, Someone look that up and post a link, because I totally forgot what the name... Mega SD! Thank you. Thank you. That's what it is. That's uh, an upcoming thing. It's made by FPGA wizard Kevin Horton, aka Kevtris. He does good work. Uh, I've really looked into this, and after careful consideration, I have decided it is 100% not for me. (laughs) I say this as someone with three working, semi-working Sega CDs, so that doesn't necessarily apply to anyone else. If you don't have a Sega CD, the answer is yes, you should buy this, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it does practically everything. Uh, There's minor differences in sound output, which I don't think anyone really cares about. A few limitations... My main complaint is it doesn't do 32X games without an actual 32X. That would be the 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 killer app of the program. Yes. That would be something real. If you could eliminate the need for a 32X, I would be all over that. But apparently that's not possible just just yet. But for many people, the elimination of needing a Sega CD would eliminate the need for a motor, which will fail over the years, uh, several internal capacitors and batteries, which will fail over the years. Mm-hmm. In general, the Sega CD is kind of a pain in the ass for all but the most diehard fans. Like you. Like me. <laughs> so, so if you do have at least three systems in storage, like I do, it's probably not something you want. If the Sega CD interests you and you don't want to actually deal with the upkeep of an actual Sega CD, I say yes, go for it. Uh, anything that makes it easier to play Sega CD games is is something I fully support. So even if I don't get it, that doesn't mean that it's bad or that I hate it. It's just not useful to me. But for many other people, many other people, I anticipate it will be very useful. So very much looking forward to that. Okay, and quick correction. Uh, it's uh, Mega SD is by Terra Onion, and it is not not associated with uh, Kevin Horton's Mega SG 
Genesis FPGA. Oh my god, I got them mixed up. It's mm-hmm. S- Mega SD, not Mega SG. I get all my Megas mixed up. So Too yeah, many Megas. Yeah, uh, the Kevtris one is the Mega SG, and the the other one is something different. Good lord, so much so much conflicting knowledge you have to store about Sega stuff. But thank you for the correction. We finally answered that question. And that's it. I think that is all of the coverage that we were uh, talking about. We've covered all of our video projects, all of our stream projects. Uh, quick thing about what's next, because we will finish up Sega CD Monday by the end of the year, or at the very least by the end of 2020. People have started asking what system's next. They've suggested the 3DO and CDI, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what do you think would be more viable? I, the CDI would require us to know more Dutch. That's true. That I, I, just to be just completely blunt. A large part of its library was exclusive to the Netherlands, so that would be a fun challenge for us. Uh, my heart says we stick with Sega. I've never explored much of the Dreamcast library. Oh, wow. But then again, it may be difficult to resist doing something like that for the Saturn. Maybe if Saturn Year One isn't a possibility, we could do an ongoing stream series about all the Saturn games. We could. We could do that Mm. if we wanted to spend something like 10 years on that. There are a whole lot more Saturn games than Sega CD games. But uh, I'd like to see that happen. Maybe someday. We will keep our options open. (laughs) And finally... We are going to open up to patron questions. Yes. Uh, we told our patrons we were doing a podcast. We asked them for their questions. These are them. Question number one comes from Broken Scholar. They ask, hi, pals. Can you name some of your favorite records? I would say your favorite one, but I can't ax- answer that. I'm curious to know what kind of music you reach for. Yeah, it's, it's hard to name a favorite album. Oh, God, yeah. There's very few albums I can listen to all the way through without skipping at least a couple tracks. Uh, are off the top of my head, those albums include uh, uh, Siamese Dream mm-hmm. by Smashing Pumpkins. It's a good one. Uh, Fantasies by Metric. And uh, that one's St. Vincent album from a few years ago. Oh, that one. <laughs> that one's good. All right. I uh, Mine kind of shift. Um, my favorite albums kind of shift. But albums that I definitely really enjoy... Uh, I like uh, Scenery by Rio of Kui, uh, Modal Soul by Nujabes. I love fucking that album. One of my favorites. Uh, a lot of these are things that I've been introduced to by uh, YouTube, by the way. They actually mm-hmm. have some good music stuff there. Um, I like Cassiopeia's Mint Jams, and I really, really like... Uh, there was an official remix uh, Cowboy Bebop album that was kind of done like a fake radio station called Music for Freelance. Love that album. I picked up a bootleg of it in 19... 19- 99 2000 i think from somewhere and it is my or maybe 2001 absolute favorite album that's a good one i've Can heard listen that to one. it all the time and i've been i also really like it i i really like uh janelle monet's archie android and uh recently i cannot stop listening to uh head by the monkeys great uh album edited by jack nicholson and it while on acid alice just told me about the head movie and oh my god it i can't recommend it because it's pretty offensive but it has live murders in it (laughs) yeah it's an anti-vietnam war film in a lot of ways so i hope you like seeing uh that one guy get assassinated 
cool. Because you're going to see it over and over. Uh, being real, though, these days, if I want to listen to music, I'll just load up YouTube and tell me, I'll just tell it, play me something. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care. And from what it's cobbled together of me, it always plays Maria Takeuchi, uh, Junko Osahi, and weirdly enough, the Stone Roses. So what does that say about me? I don't know. It says that I fell into the city pop algorithm, and the Stone Roses somehow got rolled up into that, too. Anyway, that's music. Mm-hmm. Ugh, disgusting music. Why aren't we talking about video games? <laughs> Next question is from Tepid Snake, who asks, What game have you played on stream that surprised you the most, either in being way better than expected or way worse? This can be from Mascot Fridays, too. I'm going to say the one system that's really impressed me on Mascot Friday is the Turbo Graphics, just in terms of how horrible some of the platformers are. Yeah! I wasn't expecting the PC Engine, a good, good system. Uh, I really like it. A lot of the games but man we have to cover those u.s platformers like darkwing duck and ghost manor those are horrible <laughs> like those are way worse lower standard than any other platformer that came out at the time just like wow i i'm actually with danny there i i do think that is is i there's some great stuff on the turbo graphics but the bad games on the turbo graphics are bad in a way that you just don't expect it's it's a it's a kind of bad that's unexpected and just like an unknown area of crap that you, yeah. we have that hasn't really been mined. And as we explored it, we figured out why. It's because a lot of those platformers are by ICOM, who was contracted by uh, TurboGrafx, whoever was in charge of it at the, at the time. They were just contracted to make these games, even though all they made before were adventure games. <laughs> They're the Shadowgate people, and you're telling them to make a platformer? No wonder it sucks ass. And for me, I guess the game, uh, the games that have really surprised me, and because they're good, have been uh, the hidden, the Mansion of Hidden Souls series. I just, I know I won't shut up about them, but I was expecting some just real garbage, nothing games, and I was really surprised that these games not only had themes, but they were themes that I was like, oh, I can really identify with this. They had me, it really had me thinking, which is something very silly to say about you. Those, know. those were surprising. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say in terms of bad games. Uh, as bad as I was expecting it to be, a fork in the tail was way worse than I could have ever anticipated. <laughs> and let me let me take this opportunity to formally apologize to Alex for making him play so much of that game. You made me get good at that game. Because here's how streams normally work. Like, I pick out a game, or rather the patrons vote for it. I play it for a while, uh, maybe make some save files or save states, become generally familiar with how the, the start of the game goes, just so I can put on a good show of the game on stream. So... I expected Fork of the Tail to be exactly like that. I was just like, okay, Alex, just investigate this game. Maybe get uh, get good enough to get through disc one. Uh, you know, just spend some time getting familiar with it. Go watch what Alex did during that stream. Uh, the lengths he went to just to get through disc one <laughs> were obscene. There is no way... If I knew what was in store for you, I wouldn't have asked. I'd have just been like, no, fuck, fuck him. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> this, this game does not deserve that much attention. Mm-mm. But just having to memorize all the routes and having to deal with those screens that are just like literal garbage that you have to drag the mouse over in a certain way. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's amazing. Oh, I'm, even when we come across really bad games, I'm always impressed. Like, damn, you really were that bad. Like, shit, dude, you, t- you went the extra while, Rob Schneider. Congrats on being so shit, Rob. Next question is from Smebel, who asks, What game does Danny absolutely love that Alex hates? Uh, Follow up, what game does Alex love that Danny absolutely hates? Well, anything that Alex is going to say, I'm going to say that I hate if it's a PC game. (laughs) I was thinking the thing is, I can't think of any specific games, but I can think of genres that I love that Mm -hmm. you will just not touch. 
As I've gotten older, I love simulation games. Cannot get enough simulation games. You have you give me a city builder, you give me a theme park builder, I am I am there. Those games break my brain. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't deal with them. It needs more shooting, more action. And that's the thing. Danny likes shmups. He likes a lot of action games, uh, action platformers. Can't do it. I, I can't respond that fast. I have really slow response time, so it's not fun for me. But simulation games, I can sit there and think for hours about how crappy my roller coaster is going to be. Yeah, in, in general, I kind of appreciate more reflex-driven gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to make a lot of enemies with this. I don't care about stories in games. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. The majority of the time, games have never told an interesting story. So if it's ever possible, I skip it and just appreciate it for the gameplay. And if the game's good enough, I'll start to listen to the story. But by default, I just skip all of it because none of it's worthwhile. Oh, and I love Second Life, and I think there's no way in hell Danny's ever going to play Second Life. Probably not. No. Probably not. You don't want to see all the just penises running around. Yep, that's the response I was expecting. Uh-huh. I don't like stories and games, except for Nier. That's been the only good one. As soon as they make another good one, I'll play that too. <laughs> Next question from Famiconsumer, who asks, For mascot platform ranking, what set of games, parentheses, platform series developer, do you dread most? Are there any mascot platform games so bad you refuse to ever rank them? Well, we just mentioned that uh, the TurboGrafx US platformers are horrifically, surprisingly bad. So yeah, I'm going to dread those. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I'm really dreading is Camp California. An icon platformer with Beach Boys music based off the Beach Boys mythos. Wait, the Beach Boys have a fucking mythos? Yes, other and than it, Brian and it, Wilson? Yes, is... and it involves a cartoon bear who picks up trash on the highway. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Well, I don't... The thing is, I I don't dread the worst games because I find that's the most fun I have on Mascot Friday is when I'm just going through something absolutely garbage. Yeah. And the thing is, if I have to play a bad game, so does Danny. So the pain is shared. <laughs> we share the pain with one another. The, the other thing I've noticed about Alex that gives our dynamic a little bit of an edge is that he'll generally seek out the good parts of a game like Mm -hmm. he'll be like oh this art's pretty good here or yeah that's a clever little platforming challenge meanwhile i'm just like fuck this this is horrible (laughs) stupid computer games suck ass i hate your sewer (laughs) i'm like antagonistically knowledgeable uh (laughs) that's that's the niche we're in here Mm -hmm. the antagonistically knowledgeable pals (laughs) i don't know why anyone watches this god bless y'all for watching and uh, more kitten. Yeah, I guess I am pretty good at Sonic CD. I guess that's the one reflex game I'm good at, but I've also played that for like years and years and mm-hmm. years to build up that. You can memory. get into them. You're not totally hopeless. I'm not. I just, you're, you're, you're a good video game player. You just won't admit it. Okay. I am sometimes. I just, I, I definitely am better now that we do mascot Friday, but as for the question, whether there's any game that will refuse to rank, uh, unless a game is, uh, overtly racist or sexist or something i don't think we we can exclude anything like like we we can't oh you can't if if we were not to play games that had problems with them we wouldn't be able to play any games because let me tell you folks just did not care for a while but it turns out a whole lot of 80s platformers have unflattering depictions of uh, native americans in particular so every time we just be like well it was the 80s roll our eyes and move on we got to judge it regardless of this i i yeah i but but like we're not gonna play something like really like you know whatever but Refuse oh, Bad Day LA, didn't you? Well, yes. If Bad Actually, Day LA, Bad Day LA is... you know what? If that was more of a platformer, I think I would refuse because yeah. Ugh. No, I actually refuse on principle. That's too recent to be that racist. It's not funny, is the thing. It's <laughs> That's just the thing. It's, it's not. just stupid as fuck and offensive for no real reason. 
for no payoff. At least do something with it if you're going to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Ugh, fucking bad DLA. Yeah, fuck bad DLA. Next question, Uzi asks, you use a Wii for a lot of your streams. How's that going? It, uh... it holds out great. Uh, generally, Wii emulation is very stable. Uh, I hate that we have to do that for some systems. Ideally, I'd like a Game Boy Flash cart so we wouldn't have to emulate. But there's a few systems where it's just easier to go through a list. Like if we're ever doing our uh, publisher spotlights, it's much easier to just curate a ROM list as opposed to pushing reset on a system and flipping through uh, pages on a flash cart. Mm -hmm. There's some things it can't do. It can't do 32X. We cannot emulate 32X. You need a RetroPie for that. Or, you know, a computer. Ugh, computers. Or a 32X, God forbid. No. Jesus. Um... There's one thing that I'm worried about with the Wii, and that's something I found out a couple years ago. Uh, the, the hacked firmware in it, it, uh, it deactivates itself on April Fool's Day every year. <laughs> and I'm so worried that we're going to stream on April Fool's and it's going to load up that joke screen that says, haha, your system's been deleted or whatever. Because, you know, these programmers who made the firmware are assholes, mm -hmm. and uh, they don't care if you're giving your hacked weed to your grandma, who's <laughs> going to think that she's being reported to the FBI on April <laughs> Fool's. Yeah, and the thing is, what terrifies me is my Wii date is not correct. <laughs> it's some months in the future, so at some point it could think it's April 1st and refuse to work. I am, uh... And if that does happen, you can't go into the settings and change it. You have to wait till the next day. <laughs> Chad is saying that Teen Tweezers did not implement that. It's, no, I've seen that happen on my system. Uh, that may have been something they patched out later, but mm -hmm. I haven't updated my firmware recently. This yeah. was, I did it once and then didn't touch it again. Uh, if it works, that's fine. Yeah. So, so there's one day a year when the Wii might betray us, or I just have to remember to set it to April 2nd at my next opportunity. We shall see. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the one thing I'm worried about with the Wii. <laughs> And it's a real stupid thing. And the final question, which just came in today from Fidget. They ask, hi, I have a question for Alex. Do oh, you think me. we'll ever see a speedrun of Second Life? Also, what would that look like? Lol, but also for real. Okay, I, okay, okay. I got to lower my voice because as, you, as Danny can see, I sat up. I'm real excited here. I do have an idea for a speedrun of Second Life. There is a route you can drive from one part of the mainland all the way through throughout the entire every single linden owned continent there's actually a full route you can drive and uh, if you do a lot of changes take a lot of public transit i think that it was is how you would do a speed run is to see how fast you could go from bay city all the way up to the tallest continent the tip-top continent of second life of uh, second life of the mainland i would love to do that the only thing is, Twitch will not let me stream uh, Second Life. YouTube lets you, but they don't let you do background music. So if I want to do that, I'd have to do it on, of all things, the uh, Furry Run uh, Commission Art site, Picarto. That's where <laughs> I'd have to do it. That's why I haven't done it. I do want to do it, though, and that is a plan sometime that I'd like to do. Yeah, it's Good becoming question. it's becoming less and less possible because Twitch has a blanket ban on it. You just can't do it. Mm -hmm. YouTube, as Alex said, has limitations. 
Hitbox, not an option. Mixer just fired everyone, so that's things probably going down soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all falls on Picarto, the art site where people draw on it mostly. They'll let you stream Second Life, and that has to be the way Alex does it if he ever does. But if you want to do that, I encourage you. I, I think I'd like to. It I would, think that would be a neat thing that isn't often seen. I don't know if I could do a speed speed run, but I could do like a let's play of just driving and driving and driving and hoping that you don't run into like penises. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> a truck simulator speed run would be good too. I've thought about Start that. Start in LA, go to Miami or something. <laughs> no, wait, LA to New York. That would be the classic route. Yeah, do that. Okay. Real I time, ha- simulate every mile, uh, simulate truck brakes, simulate taking speed pills. I was going to say, am I going to be taking trucker speed? <laughs> yeah. No sleep allowed. There you go. That's your challenge. Can't do. Uh, I'm going to turn Alex into a Second Life trucker streamer. That sounds like a winning combination to me. Yeah, and to clarify why Twitch banned it, I actually get it. There is literally no way to prevent flying penises in Second Life from yeah, going by you. Just, it's literally unpreventable. The, the whole thing is, is user-generated, so mm-hmm. at any point, potentially, you could just have yeah genitalia popping up in front of you. Yeah, it's actually... I run into people with their dicks out in that game all the time, and sometimes they don't even know it. They just accidentally their house goes down and then they just get transported in front of you and they're just like, oh no, I was in the middle of something. Or like or like, uh, their their genitals will load, but the clothes won't. That's, <laughs> that's a, happened. That's a thing that can happen too. So even accidentally, you're going to see something you don't want to see in Second Life. And that's just... That, should, it, it, that makes it the, uh, the unstreamable game. It's a challenge. That's the way we look at it. Mm-hmm. So someday I'll hope, I hope you'll be up to the challenge. And clarification about the uh, thing that you see... Uh, with the April Fool's joke, it's apparently not the, it's just, it isn't the homebrew channel, it's the preloader that does it. Oh. Okay. Dang preloader. Damn. I'm gonna get that guy. Honestly, a no dicks percent run of Second Life would be... Impossible. Yeah, (laughs) basically. (sighs) Well, I think that does it. That wasn't too bad for our first live episode, and, uh, you know, just assuming the recording didn't get corrupted somehow. If it did, congratulations, you listened to the lost episode of the Retro Pals podcast. We're Retro Pals. This is an outro. We're content creators on the internet. 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 We're, we make stuff. We make videos. We stream games. We're on Twitch at twitch.tv slash retropals. On YouTube at youtube.com slash retropals. Check out what we do. It's fun stuff for fun people. Uh, episode four of this podcast will be coming soon. Not sure what the subject matter is. That's for future Danny to decide. So good luck, asshole. Thank you all for listening and see you around. See ya, folks.